This is Michael O'Connor, the Clueless Gent. Have you ever loved a pet? Considered a pet a member of the family? Shed a tear when you had to say goodbye? If so, you won't want to miss this. The title of the book is Rainbow Bridge, and we're about to talk to the author who wrote it right after this. We're a bookish Texas podcast. We try to keep it fun. So everyone who listens will stay until we're done. We'll talk about some Texas books and Texas authors too. And along the way, we hope to bring some bookish joy to you. On today's episode, we have Dan Jackson, who just recently released a very wonderful story. I read it. I reviewed it. I'll put a link to that review in the show notes. Dan calls himself a pretty regular guy. He enjoys watching football, golf, running, and barbecuing a great steak over an open fire. Writing has long been a personal passion of his, but he still maintains a non-writing day job. Receiving an MBA in finance from the University of Chicago, he's one of the very few folks who loves both numbers and the written word. Dan's full bio and a photo are in the show notes, as well as the covers of his books. Dan, welcome to the podcast. Well, thank you, Michael. I really appreciate uh, the invitation. We're so happy to have you here. We're going to get into your writing in just a minute. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your day job? Well, um, I think you covered it pretty well uh, in, in your introduction. Uh, I like to call myself a pretty regular guy. And I think that's important because for any writer, I think it is important that that writer is able to relate to his or her audience. and. Um, you know, I, I relate to my audience just simply by hope, uh, sharing the life experiences I have with them. Um, I am a writer, but I also have a day job. My day job is that of being a uh, financial consultant. I work for a large consulting firm called Wildan, where I help primarily utilities do their financial forecasting and planning. I work uh, for over 200 municipal utilities in the United States, and I work in five foreign nations as well. What I do is uh, I help bring water service to many people and villages in places around the world that don't already have it. And Man, what a uh, job. <laughs> well, it, it's a very interesting I'll life bet. because it helps, it helps us realize how lucky and fortunate we are to be Americans and to live in the world that we live in. Um, 70% of the world's households do not have running water in them. That's amazing. And it, it, it truly is. And when you are able to work on a project for the World Bank in a country like Fiji or Kiribati or Palau, all of the nations that I've worked in, and you are able to bring running water to a home that didn't have it, you have extensively improved the life of those people. I would imagine and I find that to be very gratifying, and 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 uh, it has been very rewarding for me in my career. So that's what I do in my day job, uh, and it's like I said, it's been a very rewarding career. I've traveled literally all over the world, and uh, I really I'm one of those very fortunate people that gets up in the morning, and I generally can't wait to get to work. So um, um, not not too many people can say that, I believe. You always have a wealth of stories in the back of your mind. Well. Well, I do, and I and I try to weave some of those stories into my writing on occasion as well, because uh, I think I think they're interesting stories for people to read, and I think they're interesting stories for people to experience. Now, from, from mm -hmm. my research, your first book, The Forgotten Men, uh, was published in 2012. 
It's an yeah, action-packed thriller mm-hmm. set during the waiting days of the Cold War. Now, your second book, Rainbow Bridge, which is the one that I read, was published just in October of 2020. And as the name implies, it's all about the love, companionship, and loyalty of dogs. Now, that is a pretty huge swing in genres between your two books. Uh, was there a reason for that? Yeah, there really was. Uh, I became a family man. Um, I wrote The Forgotten Men in uh, the early 2000s, back when uh, my, my family was very young. And I was still very interested in the action genre at that point in time. Uh, I loved reading Tom Clancy books and Jeffrey Archer books, uh, books that talked about intrigue and um, international espionage. And, that, and, and that's what helped um, guide or frame my original first novel, The Forgotten Men. Well, I guess as I got older, um, I became more of a family man. And I came to appreciate family life more. And, uh, and I, my taste began to swing. And I think more than anything else, it was the fact that, um, that I continued my ownership of dogs and my love for dogs. And, um, I decided when I wrote Rainbow Bridge that I was going to make a pretty significant turn and concentrate my future writing career more on family and relationship type stories and kind of get away from the action genre. Um, there's an old saying, and that is that you write about what you're supposed, what you know about. And I've never been a secret agent, <laughs> and I've never been a, uh, I've never been involved in international espionage, but I have been a family man. And uh, so I think that when you write about subjects that you really understand, know, and live, then I think you can make your story more compelling. And so um, it is quite a change. I mean, those who read Rainbow Bridge and those who read uh, The Forgotten Men tend to be two pretty different audiences. Yeah, I I can imagine. And as I said, Mm -hmm. I cannot speak to your first book, but your second book, Rainbow Bridge, I love the book. I love the story. I thought it was extremely unique. It's not your regular dog story. There's some things in there, and I can't say what they are because it would, you know, give some of the goodies away. But I thought it was very original. And your love for dogs is palpable throughout the entire book. Now, R- Rainbow well, Bridge is, is fictional. And as I said, I want to be careful not to give any of the goodies away. But, you know, I sense that a lot of it is based on actual events. Can, can you comment on that? Yes, I can. Um, I am a dog lover. I have, I have owned dogs almost all of my life. And I truly can't imagine life without dogs. Uh, I think it was Will Rogers who once said, if, they're, if dogs don't go to heaven, then when I die, I want to go where they went. And I firmly believe that. I hear uh, that. Uh, my life is better because I've owned dogs throughout most of my life. Um, the great thing about a dog, of uh, the many great things about a dog, is that dogs will love you more than they will love themselves. Dogs will, if given the choice, a dog will follow you out into a winter's night as opposed to laying inside the house by a warm fire. I believe that. And, and I have always loved dogs and I have always appreciated dogs. And once again, I wanted to write about something I knew about. But I think the inspiration for Rainbow Bridge came more than anything else from when I lost my, my last dog. For 15 years, I had uh, a miniature schnauzer who I named Norman. 
who uh, readers of Rainbow Bridge will will very quickly understand that uh, that I did model one of my dogs uh, in the in Rainbow Bridge after Norman. Um, Norman was the type of dog that every night when I would come home, he would act like it was the greatest single thing that ever happened in the history of the world. He would he would run, jump on me, run throughout the house, you know, in 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 sheer joy. He would never leave my side whenever I was home. When I left town to go on one of my international trips, he, my wife would tell me he would mope around the house uh, for days. Uh, and when I came home, he would literally never leave me alone. Uh, for 15 years, that dog was an integral part of my life. And the day I lost Norman was, was one of the worst days of my entire life. I mean, it's not like, you know, losing a parent or losing a child, but, but it is a loss that many people suffer with. What got me through that was my, my profound belief that I will one day see Norman again. And that when Norman left us, he went to the Rainbow Bridge and he waits at the Rainbow Bridge for me uh, to come and join him again. And I, that helped get me through that, that particularly traumatic loss. And as I thought about that, I realized and as I talked to my friends and colleagues, all of whom had had shared experiences after the losses of their dogs, I thought, you know, this is something I really want to write about. This is something I'd like to convey because I want all people to understand and be comforted by the fact that someday they will be reunited with their lost pets. That was really the inspiration for Rainbow Bridge. Um, once the concept came to me, I think the, the storyline just kind of came to me very suddenly. And I, I decided early on that I would frame the story around the life of a man and the different dogs in his life that have influenced him, interacted with him, and made him the person he was. And, uh, and, and I think that more than anything, you know, so Norman more than anything else was really what inspired me to write Rainbow Bridge. Well, it's clear that you must have modeled after someone. And I think you demonstrate so well in that book, the loyalty that these dogs have for us. It is a difficult topic to, to write about um, because there are, there are scenes of dogs dying in it. You can't avoid that when you write a book about Rainbow Bridge. But the idea of the book is that the dogs don't really die. Your dogs will be there for you when you need them and you will be reunited with them when the time comes right. So death is not permanent. Death is just a separation. Um, that is the theme I tried to stick to uh, during the book. And of course, um, I did. I did not want to just make it a series of dogs living and dogs passing away. And <laughs> I yeah. wanted there to be more to it than that. Uh, something to hold the reader's attention. And and also, I wanted to I wanted to make the protagonist Nathan to be as relatable as possible. You know, Nathan is a regular guy. Yes, he um, is. He is. Uh, he, he's a guy. He's a guy who loves football, which kind of sounds familiar to me. <laughs> he's a guy who has his own family. Uh, he's a guy who's had his share of challenges in his life, like we all have. And one thing that 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 Nathan finds is that his dogs are a source, not only of comfort for him, but they're a source of strength for him as well. And um it, and that helps explain some of the bond that we have with our dogs. And that bond is a bond that continues well past their death. You know, I think each of us can find 
something that we can relate to in Nathan. I, I hope so. Because, um, again, you know, Nathan, Nathan is not a superhero. He's not, um, he's not Jack Ryan of the Tom Clancy novels. He's just a regular man. Um, and, uh, he has his good points and he has his bad points, but, uh, he tries his best just like all of us do. Uh, and he is loved for himself. And one thing that I also try to show is that your dogs will always love you. Your dogs will always forgive you and your dogs will always be there for you. And I, I think when you show a man's life in, in a book, that is an easy way to get to show dogs doing that because there are many scenes where dog, where Nathan needs his dogs and his dogs come through for him. Yes. And you did that very well. I mean, even going back to when Nathan was very, very young and you know, the, the way that you demonstrate a, a dog's loyalty to the humans that they love, I, it's, it's just people, you've got to read this book. It is just a, a wonderful, wonderful story. I can't speak highly enough about it. Well, I, I can't thank you enough for your, for your praise for it. I really, and, and let me ask you this, would your dog do what Frisco did for Nathan? Oh gosh, I I would. <laughs> I'd like to think so, but hopefully I'll never put them to that test. <laughs> yes, I think most dogs would. I mean, dogs are pure joy and, and their love for you and their loyalty to you and their devotion to you is, is like nothing we've ever seen. I do want to tell you that, um, you know, Rainbow Bridge is the first of, of what is going to be a series of books that uh, address the Rainbow Bridge. Uh, I am well underway with the second volume. Um, oh, that is awesome. I was going to well. ask about that later, but I'm glad you brought it up. That is, that is so cool. Yeah, obviously, I'm not going to speak a lot about the plot, but it is an independent story. Um, it does not have the same characters in it, uh, but it does address the, uh, the, the theme and the subject matter of the Rainbow Bridge, because I think there's just a lot to explore when we think about the Rainbow Bridge. Um, when we think about where dogs go after they die and what our relationships with our dogs are. And I hope to continue to explore that theme in the coming years. Um, the only the only hesitation I have is that my day job sometimes gets in the way of my writing. That uh, that that second volume is underway, and, and I hope to have it done, you know, in the not-too-distant future. I, I took a slightly different tactic than... Um, other famous dog writers like Bruce Cameron did uh, in Bruce Cameron's books, uh, a dog's purpose, a dog's journey. The dog is actually the narrator of the story. Um, the dog is portrayed as, as, as intelligent as um, a human being. In my books, I take a slightly different tactic. Um, you know, I, I believe a dog is, is inspired more by impulse, feeling and emotion than by rational thought. And so for that reason, uh, my dogs are not narrators, but I do try to express what their feelings are. Um, at the same time, I believe dogs are heroic. Um, they, they are heroic in a different sense. They do what is right because it is a natural instinct for them. I agree. And that is one of the, that is one of the motivations I had for one of the characters, which is a military war dog uh, named Georgie. Um, Military war dogs. I did a lot of research on military war dogs uh, as I as I wrote that section of the book. And the more I researched, the more amazed I was at what these dogs have accomplished. 
Military war dogs are every bit as heroic, brave uh, as as any human soldier, as dedicated to their comrades, um, as fearless, as cocky. Um, it is truly amazing what mm-hmm. these dogs uh, accomplished, not only in the most recent uh, war, uh, the Iraq war, but but in prior wars dating all the way back to World War One and World War Two. Wow. Um, military war dogs have long been a part of, of our military. And so my Georgie character in one sense is, is a tribute to many of those, uh, to those dogs, many of whom lost their lives in combat. Uh-huh. Many military war dogs, uh, died in combat in the Iraq war. Um, and many of them died saving their soldiers, saving their comrades. Wow. Um, there are stories of military war dogs that, that quite literally threw themselves on, on IEDs uh, to, to sacrifice themselves to, to, to save their, their soldier comrades. Um, and Just they knew what they were amazing. doing, too, I'll bet. They knew exactly what they were doing. So, um, again, I mean, that's, I, I am, it's, why, it's one of the many, many reasons why I love dogs as much as I do and why, and why I have enjoyed writing about them as much as I have. Well, it shows in your writing. It definitely shows. There is a reason why dogs are called man's best friend, because they are man's best friend. <laughs> uh, and and they are unlike any other pet, I believe. Look, it's great to have a fish, and it's great to have a peacock. I got nothing against them. Mm-hmm. But I, I just don't believe you've got the same level of bonding that you have with a, with a bird or a fish uh, than you do with a dog. Oh, I think, I think, I think cats are, I think cats are close, but, um, <laughs> there's another old saying that say dogs have family, cats have staff. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> that's true. And I believe that after it, having both dogs and cats. <laughs> so, uh, I, I do, I do enjoy having cats around, but, but I'm, I'm very much a dog person. Yeah. Yeah, me too. If you've never had a dog, you know, it's hard to explain this. And if you do have a, have a dog, or had a dog, then you really don't need to explain it. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Uh, the one thing about dog ownership is that you know you you have to be prepared to make a big commitment to that dog. Um, a dog is not a toy. A dog is not something you can just ignore for days at a time or weeks at a time, and and then just you know come back to. I mean, if you're going to have a dog, you know, go all out. Um, be be there for that dog because that dog needs you as much as you need him. Um, so I, so I think that's very important. Uh, you know, what breaks my heart sometimes is that when I see dogs that are outdoors or, you know, in, in dog houses in cold weather or chain yeah. fences or something like that, I just, I, I look at that and I say, how could a person do that to a dog? Do you think, do you think the dog would do that to the person? No way. There are dogs that have been neglected out there, but, uh, but, there are many at, at, at shelters that need to be adopted. Um, I, I strongly, I, I'm a strong opponent of, uh, or proponent, I mean, of going to shelters and, and rescuing dogs. I am too. There is a shelter called Operation Kindness uh, that I actually write about in the book. Um, that is a no-kill shelter that is a wonderful resource for, for finding a, a pet. Uh, municipal uh, cities, many cities have shelters. That um, that uh, that have dogs looking for new uh, new owners, 
Well, one of the other things I did want to mention about Rainbow Bridge is that um, it does take place primarily in uh, in Arizona, and um, the uh, Nathan grows up in in Arizona, and he goes to college at uh, Arizona State University. And one of the reasons why I did that was because I do a lot of work in Arizona, and every city that I mention in Arizona in this book is a client city of mine. Oh, really? <laughs> um, wow. The cities I actually do work for. And so uh, that's why I was able to show the familiarity with the cities that I did. And I do love Arizona. I am a Texan. I will always be a Texan. Um, I will I will live the rest of my life right here in, in the wonderful Lone Star State. But uh, I do love Arizona as well. And so uh, I wanted to, I don't want all of my books to, to take place in Texas. Uh, you know, you have to show a little bit of variety. We, I guess we all have to recognize that there are actually people who live outside of Texas. But, but I did, um, well, one of the things I was able to do when Rainbow Bridge was published is I was able to present a copy of the book to the governor of Arizona. Oh, wow. Uh, Doug Ducey is his name. Um, well, a friend of mine is his former chief of staff. Oh, wow. And he arranged. And he arranged for me to uh, present the book to him, uh, partly because it the, the book presents Arizona in such a favorable light, and partly because Governor Ducey is a big dog guy. Oh, uh, I didn't know that. <laughs> yes, he loves his dogs. So, um, so uh, he was uh, he was very grateful and 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 wrote me a very nice note to uh, to thank me for uh, for having given him that copy. So, uh, nice. I, I, I'm I'm very proud of that. Uh, you know, knowing that the governor is, uh, is, is halfway at least a fan of Rainbow Bridge. Yeah. How cool is that? <laughs> yes. Um, he's a very nice guy too. Wow. <laughs> now, you know, there, there are some minor characters in, in Rainbow Bridge. One of them is a, a friend of Nathan's who, uh, turns out to be a, a pro football player. Now, is that based on an actual friend of yours or is he completely conjured? No, uh, no, he's not based on an actual friend. He, he is a, he has a character that was just the product of my fertile imagination. Um, what's interesting is that in the initial draft of Rainbow Bridge, he was a much more of a minor character. But um, <clears throat> but I began to realize as I as I went over the first draft that he actually is not only an interesting character, but much more peripheral to 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 Nathan's development as a person. Mm -hmm. And and also um, I wanted to I wanted to portray. Um, a professional athlete as a as a regular guy as well, uh -huh. and, and I believe Darian is a pretty regular guy. Um, many you know many professional athletes in today's are not perceived as being you no know, regular people, uh -huh. and many and I think um, and I think and I think many of them are, and 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 I did enjoy writing that part of the book because I wanted I wanted Darian's character to be one that people could admire and relate to as well. Mm -hmm. And I love how you said in the initial draft, he didn't have that big of a role, but then as you, as the book evolved, you know, his role grew. And I, I love how characters do that. You know, when you, when you, you know, all the wannabe writers out there, when you start writing a book, and I, I think when you start, don't have publishing as an end, you know, write the story for yourself just because you want to tell the story. If you just have an idea and you want to get in there and just start writing and create the characters and see where the characters want to take you. Yes, that's exactly right. And, and I think that that makes for for better writing um, and it makes for a better story, too. 
it makes the story a little bit less predictable. Um, what's funny is that I have, I have an inner conflict because the, the financial analyst side of me is a person who wants to plan everything out well in advance. The writing side of me wants everything to be sort of freewheeling. So sometimes I let the two sides of my brain kind of conflict with uh-huh. each other uh, as I'm sitting in front of the keyboard and I see which one wins. Yeah. <laughs> and that makes it more interesting to write, too, because you don't really know where it's going to go. Yes. Yes. Uh, I. It, what, what's funny is that there are many people in my profession that don't really know how to write. Because uh, if you're a if you're a financial person, a numbers guy, an analyst, a, a, a computer modeler, uh, which is what I do a lot during the day, um, you don't really have that same appreciation for the written word. It's always amazed me in my profession how few people really know how to give, how to how to how to tell a story or to give a good uh-huh. presentation. I, I guess I was fortunate enough that I have that creative side of me as well. It served me very well in my career, and I think it serves me very well in my writing as well. Um, because I do try to meticulously take all different aspects of a particular scene into consideration, uh, as I write that scene Mm -hmm. and, and I try to pay attention to, um, peripherals like which way is the wind blowing? Are there smells? Um, um, what are other people doing who aren't specifically talking part, part of the scene itself? Mm-hmm. And so I try to interweave all of that uh, into the writing. But 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 there's another aspect as well. I, I'm not trying to win a Pulitzer Prize when I write. You know, I, I don't, I'm not trying to be some literary genius. I just want to write a story that people will enjoy, that people will read, that people might get a little bit of comfort out of. I would think um, be, that's got to be the greatest satisfaction for an author is to have someone read their story and really enjoy it. I mean, really enjoy it. Yes. Yes, it, it really is. Um, I've gotten a lot of reviews on Goodreads and on NetGalley and on Amazon. <clears throat> it's very gratifying to me <laughs> to see these kind of reviews and to see what people are saying about my book. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it just it makes it all worthwhile. You know, mm-hmm. they, they, what they say about writers is writers spend a lot of time on their own. They spend a lot of time behind that computer keyboard writing their stories. Yes, they do. And, that's what writers do. They write. Yes. And so um, we don't get a lot of opportunity to, to get some satisfaction. And when we get those reviews and when people say, hey, I, you know, your story touched me. Um, I, I related to your characters. I was really moved by that. And you've given me hope that I will see my, my, my departed pet again. That is the kind of thing that really makes it all worthwhile. One of the challenges in writing a book is that you, the author, have an intimate understanding and knowledge of everything that's happening in the book, of all the characters, of all the motivations, of what has happened and what's going to happen. And you have to put yourself in the position of the reader who doesn't have that knowledge. Right. And so you have to strike a fine line between, between not over- describing the scene, in other words, treating your, your, your reader like the reader is completely Im- an imbecile, yeah. and not telling enough, which leaves your reader confused. Mm-hmm. So it, it can, and that's where many writers fail, because they, they go to one extreme or the other. It's a hard thing to do. When I wrote Rainbow Bridge, I didn't actually tell anybody I was writing it for until it was almost done. 
I, I kept it a secret even from my own wife. Wow. Um, I just didn't want to talk about it. Um, I wasn't sure I could pull it off. And finally, I did finally tell my wife. And, um, well, since then, my sister-in-law has read it. My uh, brothers have read it. My wife has read it. I read it. So, uh, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm glad to say that they all uh, gave it very favorable reviews. So, um, um, I'm, uh, I'm happy, uh, I'm happy that the, uh, the Jackson family has unanimously endorsed Rainbow Bridge. Well, and there, there's a reason for that. And I don't just think it's because they love you. It's because, you know, it's a, it's a good story. It's a wonderful story. Oh, well, once again, thank you. It's available at amazon.com. Uh, just, uh, just type Dan V Jackson, Rainbow Bridge, um, barnesandnoble.com and, um, book Goodreads as well as NetGalley, all of those, uh, all of those, any website that sells books, it's published by Mirador Publishing out of, uh, out of the UK. And um, it is, like I said, it's available wherever you can find books online. And I will have some of those links available in the show notes. So you don't even have to go that far to find it. Just click on the link. Well, Dan, thank you so much for being on the episode. I appreciate it. I'm, I know our readers are going to get something out of this. And I really hope that they go out there and they they get Rainbow Bridge and you know, write you a good review because I, I know they're going to love it. You can't help but well, love that you, story. I, I can't thank you enough for uh, having me on your podcast. And uh, I look forward to listening to all your podcasts in the future. Thank you very much. My pleasure. Have a fantastic 2021 for you and your family. <laughs> all right. Thank you. If you only gained one little bookish tidbit from this episode, I hope it's that writers are just regular people. Dan took a story that he wanted to write, a story he thought needed to be told, and he created a wonderful story that entertains, tugs at the heartstrings, and even provides hope and promise for gazillions of pet owners. I read the book and I loved it. I hope you'll give it a read. This is Michael O'Connor, The Clueless Gent. Thank you so much for listening.